Early this summer, the EPA moved to declassify three PCB contamination Superfund sites in the surrounding Bloomington area. The decommission of these cleanup sites from the national priority list draws a decades-long environmental movement to a close. For those who were there, to witness the contamination and the resulting fights for public health and environmental safety, perceptions of whether the EPA's cleanup was successful vary. Yet, there seems to be a consensus that this story of community activists rallying in the wake of environmental catastrophe has earned Bloomington a spot in the history books. I've been a journalist here for 40 years. This is unquestionably the biggest, uh, most consequential issue that this community has ever faced. It became a nationally known fight here. And I'm sure it inspired people to keep fighting in their own communities. People came to Bloomington, Indiana to learn about PCBs. Journalist and professor Stephen Higgs has been following the story of PCP contamination in southern Indiana every step of the way, starting all the way back with the initial contamination. Well, Westinghouse Electric Corporation used to have a manufacturing plant out on Curry Pike on the west side of Bloomington, where they made electrical capacitors, which are the boxes that sit on top of uh, electricity poles. Okay, Those capacitors were filled with oils that contain PCBs. The, the, the reason PCBs are in there is because PCBs are almost indestructible. PCBs, you need to heat them to 2000 degrees in order to cause them to break down. So they were perfect for electricity coming into a box where it has to be stored, which of course is very hot. So they used PCBs, uh, electrical companies use PCBs in those boxes that Westinghouse manufactured. And Westinghouse manufactured those from the 50s up until the 70s when we discovered how toxic and dangerous they actually were. So what happened was, while they were manufacturing them out there, of course, things go wrong, right? So when they would have defective capacitors, when something would go wrong, they would just take those capacitors and throw them away, put them, in, send them, put them on trucks and take them to various landfills in and around Bloomington that became Superfund sites. The Lemon Lane landfill, which was the city dump, was a huge one. Neal's landfill on west, uh, out on West Highway 48 was a big one. Uh, but there were six of those places scattered around Bloomington where old defective capacitors actually went to. So for so 20 years of capacitors have built up, I actually just read today that when they excavated Lemon Lane landfill, they found one place where there was 15 feet high of old electrical capacitors that were just piled up and dumped in the same place there. In terms of contamination from one source, Westinghouse, this is the biggest in the entire United States. In the wake of the mass contamination of such a toxic substance, public officials at all levels of government began the urgent search for a cleanup solution. The EPA came out with a proposal to address the contamination, along with another common local environmental issue. Monroe County had two major environmental problems. One was the landfill, which was overflowing. We didn't know what we were going to do with our trash, and we had the PCD problem. Well, our city administration, uh, the mayor's office, along with the state of Indiana, the EPA, well, their solution was to build an incinerator 
an experimental accelerator, something that has never been built before, had never been done anywhere in the country, that was going to burn the PCBs at 2,000 degrees, and they were going to fuel it with trash. The idea to use solid waste as fuel to burn PCPs in an incinerator may sound innovative in theory, but in practice, issues quickly begin to arise. One problem being that trash would likely be an inefficient resource. Common solid wastes are made up of materials that would likely not be able to heat the PCBs to the intense temperature necessary for their destruction. Another issue presented by the incinerator solution had community members banding together in order to halt the cleanup process. But what they were going to be doing was taking those PCBs, which are highly toxic, almost indestructible uh, materials, and when they destroyed them, they would basically condense that into dioxins and purines. Dioxins being the active agent in Agent Orange, essentially because of the potential health risk that was going to come from a PCB incinerator downwind from the city of Bloomington and Indiana University campus, People in, in this community rose up uh, and fought it tooth and nail because we felt it was going to take a terrible problem and make it even worse. Community member Linda Green, a member of People Against the Incinerator, was one such activist. Green explains the difficult road those who opposed the incinerator faced. When the incinerator was first proposed, the city, the county, the state, and the Indiana Department of Environmental Management, and the EPA all okayed the incinerator. So those of us who were fighting the incinerator had a huge battle on our, on our hands with all the public officials against us. It was a very difficult and exhausting process because we were up against everybody. We just we went to every city meeting, every county meeting. We just made a fuss constantly. We did a huge amount of research. In fact, people who had no scientific background were plunged into the science of consideration. Ultimately, their civic engagement and environmental activism was successful, and the incinerator plan was discarded. Stephen Higgs explains that though many public officials were sure the incinerator was a safe solution, public outrage at the prospect of further toxic pollution won out. They were still adamant that they were going to build that incinerator. It was not a bad deal. They never backed down from, from the fact that it was a good idea. But politically, it just became untenable. Because when you burn 650,000 cubic yards of contaminated materials, you get 600,000 cubic yards of, of, of contaminated ash. And that had to go someplace. After the hard-fought battle against the incinerator, the EPA still had to come up with a solution to the PCP problem. A local consent decree laid out the plan to capture and remove PCPs from the southern Indiana environment and take the toxic materials elsewhere for treatment. And now, after decades of the capture and removal process, the EPA's move to declassify the Superfund sites signals a successful cleanup. However, 
some community members are still skeptical. With health concerns at the core of toxic contamination and years of fighting for a safe cleanup, Linda Green points out that people may be wary of believing the EPA's claims. I think there's a tremendous amount of corruption at all levels. I think the official story is making it look like it's all taken care of. I think there's still a problem here. However, Thomas Alcamo, the EPA's remedial project manager for the Bloomington sites, reassures that the cleanup process has been rigorous and that there will be consistent routine checkups of the sites in coming years, as is the standard practice in the declassification process. Stephen Higgs concurs with this opinion that the EPA has done all that can be done. I mean, my sense is as long as they are actually capturing all of the PCBs coming out from under Lemon Lane, I mean, I don't think there's anything else that we could do with Lemon Lane or any of the other places. It's probably been as effective as, as it could be. You know, I mean, they dug up the worst of it, took it away, but it's just so omnipresent, you know, and so indestructible. PCBs have been found in snowmelt on, on Mount Kilimanjaro. Every human being, you have PCBs in your body. I have PCBs in my body. There's not a person on the planet, I don't believe, who doesn't have PCBs and honestly, a couple hundred other toxic chemicals. Specific contamination sites are likely no longer a hazard here in Bloomington, thanks to the EPA Superfund cleanup process and the relentless work of community members. But the now widespread reach of PCBs alludes to a greater problem on the horizon. Environmental threats, contamination-based or otherwise, are likely to escalate as climate change looms and pollution continues to rampage. The story of PCBs in the Bloomington area creates a movement to emulate, one that highlights the importance of community action and protection at the local level. This story of civil engagement in the face of environmental disaster may act as a guide for the next generation of activists. Thank you.